Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Arnold Starbusman, who's the CEO of Mine Hub Technologies, who are a platform company dedicated to realizing the digital transformation of the global mining and metal supply chains. Uh, Arnold has a background in maths and science and has over 20 years' experience in strategic execution, enterprise um, transformation, and blue chip startups. Um, and he's one of the pioneers of the um, intersection of commodities, finance, and blockchain uh, blockchain technology. So he's here today to tell us a little bit about MineHub um, and how they are working with companies in the mining industry to solve their supply chain challenges in the digital world. So let's welcome Arnold to the podcast. How are you doing, Arnold? I'm very good. Thanks, Rob. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, appreciate your time as well. Um, obviously, you're currently in, uh, well, you live in, live in Holland. Um, and I wondered if you can just give us an overview of, of your career, your background, um, and if you can tell us a little bit about MineHub as well. Yeah, absolutely. Love to. Uh, so my, I don't know how far you want to go back, but probably I'll stay with the most recent uh, recent years. Uh, so I I'm, I live in the Netherlands, um, based here, but before that I was based in uh, uh, in New Zealand and before that in uh, in London, actually. Working in consulting in the Netherlands, I've spent a lot of my time working for ING Bank, which is the largest commodity bank in the commodity business. And there, I saw um, basically firsthand how um, archaic supply chains are operated, and uh, particularly the, the enormous cost, inefficiencies, risk, etc., that were that, uh, that are present there. And we set ourselves on a mission at the time. It was with a, with a team to start building digital platforms in this uh, uh, in this in this industry, the commodity supply chains. And we um, particularly when blockchain technology came up, that's where we started, thought, hey, that might be a game changer. Because one of the things that we learned was that uh, basically platforms are difficult to scale in competitive industrial supply chains because everybody wants to hold, get, keep hold of their data and with uh, with blockchain technology we, we saw a array of light and uh, that we could achieve something so um i did that for uh, i stayed with ing for a while and then in we set up platforms in energy in soft commodities and trade finance and i kept mining and metals for last um and so basically took all the learnings from that as we started exploring um, how that could play out with some of the major mining companies, in particularly in iron ore. Uh, and around that time, this is I'm talking 2018. I was introduced to a um, uh, a guy, um, Goldcorp, and he introduced me to a company that was just starting up in, in Vancouver at the time called MineHub. And and I re- I liked the concept. I saw an opportunity for uh, to achieve uh, something big and got ING involved in that at that stage. And then I followed suit. Uh, probably about nine months after that, I took on the, took on this role. Um, so I'm loving every day of it. My my first day on the job was actually running a, and this is first of April 2019, was running a, um, uh, a couple of workshops in Singapore with the major mining companies to start exploring how we could uh, how we could 
build digital supply chains. Um, particularly, spend a lot of time with BHP after that, um, looking at iron ore, but copper, ESG, all the challenges that are out there and, and what we could do in those um, in those markets. And slowly started building our mind up. We had a great group of companies around it in any case, and we worked closely with Goldcorp. Uh, before it was acquired by Newmont, we worked with Ocean Partners as a trading house. We worked with uh, uh, Wheat and Precious in there and then ING Bank to, to build that first platform. Um, when I say platform, it's a uh, uh, it's quite a different way of managing information exchange in supply chains. Um, and it's very focused on taking out enormous cost and risk that are present in supply chains. Uh, I sometimes argue that we would be uh, a better medicine against the current inflation spikes than central bankers because of the, the impact we have on, uh, on supply chain costs and risk profiles. So um, we help companies do business much better together than they currently do. Take paper out, go real time, go digital. Uh, and that's, uh, uh, that's what we've been building out. Um, many years of piloting, learning, rebuilding uh, with various partners across the industry, uh, in um, particularly also in China and, and Japan, uh, with some of the largest companies there, to figure out, okay, so how can we change this industry once and for all? What what really makes the, the, the market users move? And uh, I think we've figured it out. So we... Um, we got a couple of uh, we signed BHP uh, a couple of months ago as a um, as a launching customer. Um, not a bad start with to uh, start with that one, and then we um, uh, and we are, are teaming up with Sumitomo Corporation as well. Right? So we and there's a couple of more parts that we that we have been working with and slowly start rolling out uh, over the next next period. That's so- it. Okay. Yeah. No. It seems. Uh, it seems obviously you're, you're progressing well, and obviously having BHP as a number one client, um, and a, and I suppose a, a did you say a pilot? They're starting the pilot scheme, which is uh, which is good. Uh, good to have them as the first client. Um, yeah. We, we, sorry, we finished all the pilots, right? So this oh, is okay. commercial. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We've been doing a lot of pilots. We worked. We ran pilots with. Um, uh, and a lot of them were in the press. So we work with uh, BHP with Min Metals, uh, BHP and Zijin Mining. Uh, we um, did pilots with Baowu. We did an early pilot with Vale as well in Baowu. So quite a lot of uh, uh, quite a lot of our uh, activities have been out in the press. So we've moved beyond pilots, and now we're finally going to do the real stuff, right? So. Right. So I suppose what is the core problem that you're that mine hub actually solved for these mining companies, I think- and, and and I suppose anyone that's listening that is well, they don't even necessarily have to be in supply chain in in the supply chain management function. But what what problems are you solving with your with uh with this platform? Yeah, the, the, aside from world peace, I think there's there's quite a few things that we are. Um, Taking, uh, taking on, right? So on our website, there's actually an investor deck and we, we refer to a couple of strategic themes that are, uh, for which we are enabling technology. So I'm talking about supply chain resilience, uh, ESG, particularly compliance, uh, disclosure, those aspects, trade digitalization, um, trade finance is a working capital. Access to that is a big challenge. Security, data security, all those things that are uh 
very visible uh, panel on front page news today are themes where we are providing solutions for it. But at the core, the core problem is that those themes, they require information that is usually not available. And it's not available because it is uh, stuck in operations and communication process between all the parties that are involved in supply chain transactions. To to make the specific, if you've got a um, if you're shipping a cargo of iron ore from Australia to China, for instance, you have um, of course there's the, the the mining company, the seller. You've got the buyer. You got usually a couple of banks involved. You got customs involved. You got ports. You got agents. You got inspectors. Um, you got insurance company. There's many up to 20, 30 companies. They all need to do stuff, and they are continuously collaborating, exchanging information with each other. Usually the same information, but they're reeking it into a different format or a different system. They're printing it out again and attaching it to an email. And all that information is floating around. And we find that operations teams in, in the companies involved in those transactions, they spend most of their time collecting information from uh, companies like, where's the vessel? Uh, where's my inspection report? Uh, where's the LC? All that kind of stuff, right? And then they need to verify it so they can't necessarily trust the information they get. They need to reconcile it and they need to maybe send an inspector to a warehouse to make sure that the stuff is still there. Uh, and, then he, and then as the transaction progresses, the ship starts moving, reality happens and things change. So they need to track that information. And that, that process is, causes enormous friction in supply chains. It's expensive. It is uh, error prone. Um, it's... Uh, vulnerable to fraud. We've seen a lot of fraud cases in, in the recent years because fraudsters can arbitrage the uh, the unavailability of uh, information cross-reference. So what we what we do is we we take away all those channels. So no more couriers, no more fax, no more chat messages, no more emails, no more phone calls. Uh, people go on holiday; they don't take the information with them in their head, right? So they we put it all in one place, one database. So everybody's on the same page all the time in real time. And everybody that has access to information can see it. So you basically, you take away, you don't need to call around for information. It's there. You don't need to verify it because it's already done, right? And you don't need to track it because it's always up to date in real time. And that takes away a lot of friction out of supply chains, but it also creates a data asset that you can start using for uh, ESG compliance, uh, resilience, risk management, uh, customer experience. That's a huge one. Um, and uh, and um, uh, all those things that I was uh, talking about earlier. So that's core problem that we do. It's just basically doing what ERP did to enterprises uh, within a company. We're taking that to a higher level, taking it to uh, the supply chain level, building an industry database. So why do mining companies want to work with you? Couple of couple of things are are there. Right? So um, we we spent quite a bit of time figuring it out as well. Um, supply chain resilience and I, is is a theme that is dominant at the moment, um, and I think it's been in news a lot. Um, we saw recently with the COVID lockdowns, for instance, in in Shanghai, that a lot of shipments couldn't be delivered uh, or discharged, not because the the ports are full or anything, but because Couriers couldn't deliver paper bills of lading to their customer or their bank in Shanghai to transfer uh, ownership of the cargo and 
secure payments. So we have all these mining companies with big inventory waiting in front of the ports of Shanghai for couriers to be allowed back into doing their job in Shanghai. So that's that's crazy, right? And uh, that delayed cash flows. Uh, there were defaults, etc. So we uh, that's if you can do that digital, there's no need for courier. So that we that's that's one aspect. It protects cash flows. The second thing is customer experience. Um, mining companies still usually compete on commodity quality and prices. Um, but what if you could take that to a level, start competing on customer experience? So if you order something from uh, Alibaba or Amazon, you can, even if it's a pair of socks, you can track it. You get every day, you get updates, SMS messages, et cetera. You know where it is. If you order a $30 million cargo of uh, copper concentrate, you don't know where it is. You need to call around. You get information. You say, ah, oh, that doesn't make sense. I need to call that guy. And, and, then, that guy. and then it turns up. <laughs> and then suddenly it turns Eventually. up but in, the, in the wrong port. Right? So, um, so that's and that's... If you can change that experience, say, well, let's let's give you the SMS messages, and uh, yes, John, the captain, will deliver it to your port of uh, preference tomorrow, or you can pick it up there if you want, right? So, if you can change that type of experience, provide visibility across incoming cargoes to your customer, then that's uh, and you do it with at a fraction of the operational cost and impact. Uh, that's a whole different experience, right? So, um, compliance is massive. If you want to supply a uh, product in the, in the near future, you need to show that you've got your copper mark in place or you need to have your ESG boxes ticked. You need to uh, provide evidence of the emissions content of the information. All that stuff is becoming, uh, if not, it's important, if not mandatory. Uh, so to be able to do that, you need to go digital. And those are things that are really uh, themes that mining companies care about. and. Finally, and this is strategic workforce planning. Kids just uh, from this generation that are going to be working in mining companies and sales operations, they don't want to process stacks of paper and stamp them and reconcile them. They want to do something on the iPhone or on the iPad, right? And just do it on the go and do it digital. I mean, nobody's going to take the job in a couple of years. Yeah, understand. Um, do you focus on any specific uh, commodity? Um, any, I suppose, specific type of um, organization and, and I suppose country as well, country or jurisdiction? We, we do have a natural focus, um, but it's not like that we limit ourselves. We're, we're happy to be quite opportunistic in where the, uh, where, the opportunity, where the customers take us. But we do, um, we, uh, the big minerals are important for us, uh, bulk and refined. So we focus a lot, we've spent a lot of time in iron ore and particularly copper now. I think copper is probably our most active market uh, but the solutions that we have are they scale there's nothing that we need to change for to support nickel or lithium or other products it's it's very uh, commodity agnostic in fact we we did a presentation to a brazilian uh, meat producer a couple of weeks ago export a lot of cattle uh, a, lot, a lot of beef to uh, to europe and the us and um, we did a match with the process and we that was 100% fit of mine up with what they needed, right? So it's it's industry agnostic. But our go-to-market strategy is really, uh, go-to-market focus really on uh, on a couple of markets. Um, can you talk about your SA Exchange solution? Yeah, so this is, this is interesting. So we, SA Exchange is a, is a process and, and anybody that's, is involved in selling or buying concentrates goes through the ritual every, every time with every shipment. 
Um, so when we started working with, with Sumitomo, for instance, as well, and, and others, they immediately said, well, one thing that we really want to do digital is the essay exchange. It's ridiculous how we do that nowadays. And uh, everybody stresses out all the time in terms of making a mistake during the process. And um, because every single mistake is very, very expensive. So we, and if you, and it, it, again, it is because people have different spreadsheets and they need to be reconciled and reconciled and they need to cross check and everything it comes back to that collecting and verifying information. But you do, we, what we do with MyLab, we, we have built this essay exchange solution where you just upload your essay or the lab uploads your essay and you do a real-time swap and comparison and you uh, it gives you the difference calculations um, it will help you organize your empire routing and, and workflow and it's it takes away a massive pain point in these concentrate these these metal supply chains um, and we find that uh, it becomes a magnet for users so every Anybody in operations that sees it, they immediately say, oh, I love that. I love that. Can it do this? Can it do that? So it's, it really becomes a magnet. It's, it's a fantastic solution product. And what is your go-to-market approach? What we have figured is that for a platform like mine to create the most value for its users is that is through um, getting to critical mass in markets uh, because of the, the exponential value creation it brings. So and we don't... We don't get there by um, selling to everybody uh, or treating it as a sales process. So we've looked at particular ecosystems and who can help us get to critical mass in those ecosystems. And then we, and then we look to team up rather than uh, develop a, a classic supplier-client relationship. So, um, so we focus on a couple of anchors, customers, and particularly, I mean, you have BHP and Sumitomo and some others that we work with. And then we focus our resources on um, rolling out MyLab or helping to connect, digitally connect their customers and suppliers to MyLab, uh, thereby creating benefits, enhancing the, 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 the customer experience at the same time, and thereby uh, expanding our network. Uh, we find that that's a much more efficient way of using our resources from a business development perspective, and it's fully aligned with that mission. Um, can MindHub also label a uh, clean tech solution? I've thought about it. And I think, I mean, we're not, it's not like we are technology that helps steel mills produce lower carbon steel. We don't, we're not that kind of uh, company, but indirectly, I think, I believe that we are an enabler for um, cleaning up supply chains because of the level of transparency with regards to the information that we provide to procurement and, and, and investors and uh, financiers. Uh, people can see more uh, information and make better decisions based on uh, emissions content or human rights content or uh, water management content, right? So uh, by default, if that when that information becomes available, uh, you would expect that companies are making decisions that would have a favorable bias towards the, the the cleaner products rather than the than the less clean products. Uh, so it's enabling technology for that. Um, and that's obviously a startup. You already have a sort of global presence, um, especially with teams in uh, China and Japan. Um, just wondering if you can just tell us a little bit more about that, and I suppose uh, the growth that you want to you look you sort of basically looking to achieve. Yeah, that's absolutely. So we've taken quite a, a different approach. Uh, to how we develop the company, we uh, we're still small, right? We've got twenty people. We have a 
the corporate seat in Vancouver that we've got product and technology mainly based in London. Um, and then we have customer facing teams uh, around the world, as you mentioned. So in mining and metals, if you don't have a way, a solution that works in China, you don't have a solution. It's as simple as that. Um, so none of the bigger companies will work with you unless you can supply to China. Now, to so we need to be not just where our customers are, but we need to be where our customers' customers are. Um, and that's in complex markets like China, like Japan. And we we can't be there on a rep basis. We can't be there fly in, fly out. We need to be there permanently and we need to be part of, we understand the business culture and business activities. Um, so we are we've deliberately spread out to make sure that we can support uh, customers in those um, in those markets, and that's also where the growth is going to come from. So, for instance, in China, it's not just um, having a um, somebody walking around with a business card. You to serve Chinese state-owned enterprises, you need to comply with local regulations. You need to have uh, infrastructure set up there. So, there's quite a few things that, that you need to get in place to be uh, able to execute there. You need to understand the business practice. Uh, I don't see any other way where we can. Uh, work with the biggest companies in this industry without uh, a strong local presence in those markets. Um, and how, or I suppose, why did you list the company so early in its life cycle uh, to obviously the public markets? Yeah, so we listed on the Ventures Exchange in, uh, in Toronto, the TSXV, and um, we chose it for a number of reasons. One of them is a route to capital. We found that uh, our story um, it's not always easy to explain it to VC firms. If you're not from the industry, it's hard to imagine that you don't know where a $30 million cargo is, right? And that, that's, uh, um, so, so that, that was, that was, uh, a difficulty. Um, we also believe that it's, but the main thing is that mindup is all about transparency and trust in supply chains. We need to be a neutral company. We need to be like a Switzerland sitting. Uh, a small company sitting between all these giants that are not owned and we're not owned by the giants. But the um, with that transparent, not sure what happened there. No, no worries. What's the last bit that you got? Um, I can't remember. Okay. What what I may do is just ask that question again. Sure. Why did you list uh, the company so early in its life cycle in the public markets? One of them is um, um, access to capital. Um, our story is not the not the easiest one. I believe we had a, um, a broader capital uh, audience for that. We were privately funded, or we were not funded by uh, strategic shareholders like the big mining companies. We're independent and neutral, and that also. But the more important thing is that we uh, mineup is a is an industry platform. It needs to be trusted by everybody. Um, we can't be trusted if one party owns a lot of shares, right, uh, or the majority of the company. Uh, so the uh, apart from the technology enforcing trust and transparency, uh, as a company itself, we need to be transparent. So uh, being a publicly listed company and the regulatory disclosure and transparency that comes with that is much more suited to um, to what our stakeholders and users expect from us. Um, so that's 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 a uh, that's a that's a key reason to do that. I've got a couple more questions. Um, how far has blockchain blockchain technology sort of come? Um, obviously, we were probably hearing about blockchain um, technology three, four, five years ago. How far has it come, and how far has it has it got to go? 
Still quite a bit. I think we, there's different types of blockchain technology. And what, what MineUp does is we're using what we call private enterprise technology um, and, um, and blockchain technology. And it's uh, it's very different different from the Bitcoin and the Ethereum that's that's uh, that's out there and that's that's more visible in the in the in the press, the crypto markets. Um, one of the questions I quite often get asked: So, uh, if it's all about if a lot of it is about ESG, how come you're using blockchain, which is very polluting, right? And the technology we use has none of that uh, uh, none of that energy intensive processing requirement. Um, so, what what I find fascinating about blockchain, I mean. Is that it's um, there's not that much new under the sun, but what it it does for us a couple of things. One of them is it decentralizes data governance. So if you um, in the old world, if you use a platform which has brings a lot of benefits for all its users, there's a central database, and the platform company owns the database, and then they start selling advertising and uh, selling the data to other parties. Right? You get all these spam emails in, the, in your inbox. Um, what blockchain does it enables us to um, give the data the data stays with the data owners so um, and blockchain is just there to secure that if there's multiple physical copies of one data item that they are in sync so that's that's one aspect it gives back control over data to the data owners uh, the second thing is it does create this immutable audit trail where nobody can rewrite history which takes away a lot of disputes and stuff like that but the third thing what we figured out is quite interesting is to um, to be compliant, for instance, in China with cybersecurity regulation, it's very important that data that originates in China stays on Chinese soil. Now, physically. Now, if you are sharing data with another company that's not in China, where are you going to store it? In China or outside of China? And so um, with, with blockchain, we can, with the technology we use, we can say both. So it's stored in both locations. So both companies are compliant with their local regulations, and provide a level of security and privacy in their jurisdictions that's required or what they want from a uh, customer perspective. Whilst in China, you're, you're complying with the, with the local uh, regulations. So in that regards, we, we've carved out a position where we can be this cross-border platform that is physically present in uh, both inside and outside of China. Um, uh, whilst being providing providing a client a, a compliance bridge, and that's that's where the technology is really a game changer. Got you. And, and lastly, what's the next sort of six to twelve months looking like for for Mindhub? Ah, oh, the trials and tribulations of a startup in uh, in depressed capital markets, right? So uh, no, there's um, obviously there's uh, uh, for me there's this is the beginning. Uh, so I think uh, before the summer we had the the end of the uh, beginning. This is the beginning of a new phase, where we have fantastic customers and partners, and a couple of more that we're working with, and we're just going to focus on um, get creating value for those parties by uh, working with their customers and suppliers and helping digitalize it. So uh, that's that's going to be a key, fo- a key focus for for our teams and. Um, so it's it's really moving into growth mode with the company, which is which is very exciting. Uh, so, yeah. and that that will be the dominant activity. Yeah, Arnold, really appreciate your time sharing uh, your um, wisdom and knowledge around obviously blockchain and the supply chain and what you're looking to do at Minehub. Um, seems like a great event, uh, great venture, um, and obviously wish you well in uh, the growth phase and 
um, the rest of your journey. If our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions they want to ask you, how can they go about doing that? Are you across any social media platforms at all? Yeah, I think we've got, um, uh, we're on Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera, but probably the easiest is send me an email at arnout at um, arnoud at minot.com. Okay. We can include those in the show notes uh, yeah, yeah. accompanying this uh, podcast um, and YouTube video as well. So um, really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. I hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed that episode. Please share it with others in the industry and I suppose other industries as well because it looks like any industry uh, are going to be going through a similar similar scenario where all the supply chains are going to be uh, digitized um, so those in the mining industry at least then you can have a I suppose a little bit of knowledge of what the future is going to look like around supply chain so appreciate you uh, continued support please share this uh, podcast episode to others around the world and if you're watching the youtube channel appreciate you uh, sharing this episode uh, with uh, others in the industry so until next time happy mining thank you for listening remember to reach out to rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review until next time happy mining helping each other to improve the mining industry